Hello, and welcome to On Purpose. This is Janice Alpert. Uh, welcome to my podcast, where we interview people about how they found their purpose in life and helping you also find your purpose, or if you're on it, to give you support to stay on it. Today, I'm really excited and grateful for my guest. Christy Nelson is here. Um, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. So nice to meet you. Me so, too. Yeah. So why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself, kind of where you grew up and and then ultimately how you got to where you are now? Okay. That's the biggest question in the world. I know. <laughs> no. I know. How do it's I a broad, all that in? It's a broad question, but you know, people, I always like to know where, how people got to where they are now. So we, I always like mm. to start probably because I'm a therapist. I like to just go back to the beginning. Like, where did you grow up? And I grew up in all over the place uh, in my early, early years and partly in Eugene, Oregon. And Uh then my family, my parents moved to Western Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. uh, which is where I was raised most of my life and where I call home. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really beautiful place to live. I'm really lucky to live here. And I moved back uh, after Having had, well, I've had such a many different experiences, but I was working the nonprofit sector, mm-hmm. always have been pretty mission driven my whole life. Okay. Uh, and this will be something we can circle back on if you want. But mm-hmm. um, purpose has been pretty front and center for me for since really? I was a child. Mm-hmm. So because were your parents like, yes. I don't know, like do good, whatever I was to say, do yes. gooders. I mean, like, yes. in my, oh, so from a young age, you thought I, I, I want to do something and you could sort of feel you had whatever purpose, there was a purpose that you were going to be looking for? I was uh, socially concerned, you know, as a young person Mm -hmm. in ways that I think are still manifest in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, my parents raised us we vigiled, you know, I was little, like with a little sign on, the, on wow. the, against, against the Vietnam war, you know, uh-huh. basically when we were little and we would mm-hmm. do Sunday, Sunday vigils, um, wow. by the church and, mm-hmm. um, and we were, you know, active in kind of food banks and things to help take care of our community That's when I was so young. Amazing. Yes. I'm so lucky. I'm mm-hmm. incredibly blessed by my parents and who mm-hmm. they were and mm-hmm. who they, who they, are my mom's no longer here on the planet, but mm-hmm. she's still a, <laughs> as an angel. She's a socially concerned person. I'm, I'm sure. sure she is. And I just she have is. to say how funny life is. So I too grew up during the Vietnam war and marched a little bit in, in college, whatever. But I have to say about five years ago, I went to Vietnam and Cambodia for vacation. And I just think mm-hmm. that life sometimes just is so funny and it's a beautiful country. Um, beautiful but anyways, country. I think some uh, we were there going and my husband was in the uh, reserves at that time and almost had to go to Vietnam. And I go, and here we mm-hmm. are looking at their beautiful country. So life sometimes mm-hmm. takes funny twists. But anyway, so back to you. It um, yeah, it's a resilient country too, mm-hmm. right? To go through that and come oh, back the way that it has. For sure. Um, so yeah, in my young years, I was always interested in the environment. You know, I was interested in solar power. So I was really I was a solar roller. I mean, I, at 18 years old, I mean, come on. I don't you even were know very how that happened. Before, <laughs> like very uh, before advanced. advanced. Yeah, this exactly. was 1978. Unbelievable. I went on this like cross across the state bicycle ride, educating people about solar power. I don't even know. That's unbelievable. So, I know. I never get to talk about this, so it's kind of actually funny. I love that. No, that's that's like amazing because it's like so forward thinking at such a young age. 
who knows? I, yeah. you know, who knows what got into me? I became a vegetarian. I mm. read Francis Moore LePay diet for a small planet when I was like 17. And I said, I'm never going to eat meat again. Well, <laughs> that, that last, that lasted uh, 30 years almost. Oh, wow. Incredible. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I always was concerned about purpose for me was very much about not looking at my life in an insular way. I think mm-hmm. for me, purpose was recognizing the interconnectedness of my life and how it impacted other people and how other people were impacted by the larger society. And so mm-hmm. I always had this sense of belonging in a context, right? Okay. So that it wasn't just that you're just your own little orb and you don't have impact and you're not impacted. Mm-hmm. I think I was aware of that from a very young age. And, mm-hmm. and that has always um, figured heavily into my sense of purpose. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, in the nonprofit world, I was doing um, work, living in New York city, working on food safety and oh, environmental wow. safety. Were you, issues. Did you, did you go to college for this or? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I went, I got my undergraduate degree. Um, and then since then I've gotten a graduate degree. I went to Harvard, um, got my master's and I went to Boston college and got a graduate certificate. Well, I'm talking to a very (laughs) smart lady. So was that your focus of study? I mean, was it always was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. always was. Mm -hmm. So I got my master's in public administration, um, with a a concentration in leadership studies and my graduate certificate was in sociology in business. Wow. And my undergraduate degree was in health education. So, okay. right. So I have varied, but I think always, um, always interested in improving the world and mm-hmm. in improving myself and the being part of the people around me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not since diapers, but certainly since at some age when I could like ride a bicycle or something. So you kind of knew. Yeah. yeah. That's so, very unusual. And, and, and then it sounds like you're followed it. I mean, pretty remarkable. So even educationally, you went into, again, fields that were going to have something to do with helping the absolutely. world and the universe. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. And I have been, um, I would say on a fairly, not at all linear, very circuitous, but very consistent journey mm-hmm. for most of my life mm-hmm. and hopefully building building on itself all the time. So building mm-hmm. on my experiences and taking those to the next level and mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say this culminating moment for me was, oh, I was hear. working in New York city. Yes. Go ahead. And, and getting incredibly sick at the age oh. of 32. Right. So I was 32 years old and I um, came down with fevers of unknown origin. It was 1982. And oh. I, um, 1992, excuse me. I'm making myself older than I am. <laughs> I think or younger. Oh, yeah. I can't tell which we don't, right. no. we don't want to do that. Um, no. So, so 1992, I got very ill when I was working for this food safety organization, environmental mm-hmm. organization, and, um, and ended up in the hospital and long, long, long story short, um, for, it took nine months to diagnose me. And by the time they diagnosed me, I had stage four, um, atypical lymphoma. Oh my that had, God. That had metastasized to my spine. Sorry to break all this to you now, but it's like, it is. No, it is. this is all part of your story and your journey. I want to hear. Oh it's my huge. goodness. And it, it changed everything for me, really. Um, I, I, cause stage four is end stage cancer, right? So it's yes. pretty, there's not a whole lot, um, a whole lot, not a whole lot beyond that. So I was 32, 33 years old when I started treatment um, it was an 18 month journey, the whole thing, lots of surgery, lots of everything. Oh my and goodness. when I came out of that experience, I was transformed. I mm-hmm. would say in a way deepened 
not changed, mm-hmm. but deepened mm-hmm. in my convictions and my values and in the sense of possibility that I saw for myself. And, and it became um, a much deeper spiritual experience for me. Mm-hmm. So what got added to the whole equation was this strong sense of purpose around mm-hmm. impacting the world, um, being a source for positive change. And then all of a sudden I got to see something much more profound, which was in all those weeks and months of isolation and being in hospital oh, rooms. My goodness. The, the journey, the relationship with oneself. Yes. You, you either deepen or you die. I think exactly. you either. <laughs> I, I, well, I think that's true. I think that's true that, yeah. that either, either, either you take the plunge into inter, inter introspection, like, mm-hmm. which is, you know, in those kinds of really catastrophic, you know, scary, scary times, or I don't know what you do because to yeah. me, well, I don't know. I'm an introspective person always have been. So, um, I hear you, but you know, no one knows how they're going to handle that kind of horrible, devastating news until they're in it. So it's exactly right. So you exactly were right. in it. Oh my God. So was your family around you or how like you're, yeah, I had family. I mean, I'm really, really lucky. I had yeah. incredible family and friends really and good support system. Yeah. Really great support system. So, but that, that impacted me because I didn't know how long I was going to live or if I right. was going to live very, of course. Like I had no idea. And, and then how do you dance with life when mm-hmm. that is presented to you at an age that most people in their thirties are making plans for the future, assuming a future, investing in the future, exactly. setting up having, retirement accounts, buying having houses, fun. having children, having right. children, having children. And I, all those things assumed a future that I couldn't assume. So it shifted very much the, um, the way in which I learned to live really in the fold of the moment. So Mm -hmm. what did it mean to, to live acutely? I used to say, rather Mm -hmm. than living in a chronic condition, Mm -hmm. I was living acutely. Every moment was vivid and it was right there. And, and that was what I had. So, and then this, here I am now, I'm the executive director of a network for grateful living. Mm -hmm. I have been here for over, for about eight years. Um, So wait, I have to go back. So ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, So, so (laughs) you had this horrible illness and had to go through this major treatment. And once, once they finally diagnosed you, when was there a time where you felt like, okay, I'm, I'm in remission and like, I I think I'm okay. Was there, or I don't know if you even feel that way right this minute. Hmm. I decided in some ways to never assume or take for granted that I would have a future. And, And what would it mean to really live that way? Because it's deepened my sense of purpose Mm -hmm. hugely to recognize that we don't ever get to take things for granted really in life. And all of that, well, we shouldn't, well, we shouldn't, I was disabused of that notion at an, a fairly early age. I feel lucky for that actually. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was told by a nurse when she was taking care of me, um, when I was in treatment and I was super sick and she just said, you know, your peer group is now in their seventies and Mm eighties. And so I got this sense of, Oh, that's because I can't take life for granted anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's a gift in that, which Mm -hmm. frees us up to live some deeper calling, some more authentic way of being, 
Okay. Something I'm just telling everybody, liberated. I don't know if I, who else is listening, but whoever's listening, I have goosebumps and that's <laughs> like an amazing, I know. Cause I knew none of this It's an amazing story. I love the attitude that you ended up. I mean, you already had a fabulous attitude to from the get-go and then it yeah. even shifted to a deeper, even more fabulous attitude. So now mm-hmm. you're done with treatment. You sort of aren't thinking how much longer I have, but you're thinking I've got to live as you said, acutely in the present moment. And mm-hmm. did that affect then what you did for your work or like mm-hmm. what? Yeah. You, yeah. I would imagine. Uh, it, what it, it gets really hard to sign a job contract, you know, when you're, yes. like, well, you know, I get, uh, so it took me a couple of years um, before I went back to work again, because I thought, well, I, here I am, I'm still alive. And what am I going to do? You know, mm-hmm. um, they, they said I was guaranteed a recurrence. And oh, so really? I didn't, I didn't know how to plan for that. Wow. You know, but that's, li- but, that's wait, wait, that's what they literally said to you. You will yeah. absolutely, you, wow. you will, you are destined for a recurrence. And, and if it's not this cancer, if you don't have a, you're going to get a secondary cancer from all the treatment that we've had to give you because it's so aggressive and the, the kind of chemotherapy I had at that time and everything. So it just, it took away that sense of, um, of immortality. Right. That we all, go, we all put that in the back of our head. Most of us do. I don't, yeah. you know, even as we're getting, I mean, I'm older now, so it's a little more in my face, but I certainly am not trying to think about it every day. Um, and yeah. at 32, believe me, it wasn't in my forefront of my brain at all. So exactly. Mm-hmm. So I went to work for hospice. I oh. decided to, <laughs> I decided that because I had seen people die both with and without hospice while mm-hmm. I was sick, um, uh, it was such an extraordinary uh, blessing people who had hospice services and who mm-hmm. got to have that experience of their own death and mm-hmm. the families, how they were supported and everything. So I said, all right, I'll try that. And certainly they're going to understand if I can't yes. sign on a dotted line for the rest of my life. Exactly. They, if, if I could work any place that had a context for understanding, I figured and it would com- be hostess and compassion and empathy yeah. and the whole. Yeah. So how long did but, you do that for? About two years, year and a half, two years. And Mm -hmm. then I got offered this extraordinary job where this opportunity came to me, which was to run a a women's foundation, um, serving women and girls and disempowered women and girls and making grants and doing this. It just was this incredible thing in my in my own um, region where I live. And so I did that and I kept living and kept living. And And so you ever have a reoccurrence? Never, never. Wait, hang knock on wood. That is unbelievable. Never. I I just like, this is like, I love this story. So -hmm. when you think about it, I know you said you changed your diet for 30 years. I mean, they're telling you, and I'm guessing the research, I'm sure you researched that up the wazoo or I would have, I shouldn't say what you're doing. I know I'd have, I did. Yeah. I I would have to, well, I don't know if they Google back then, but no, (laughs) I'd be Googling away. So um, they're saying you're absolutely going to have a reoccurrence and you're now well, 30, 40 years past that, what or 30 years, whatever it is past that, and you've never had a recurrence. Why do you think that is? So I'm, I am this year in a couple of months, it'll be the 30 year anniversary of when I got sick. And then wow. 18 months from then, it'll be the 30 year anniversary of when I came out of treatment, which is when they really count your survivorship. So, okay. Why do I think I didn't get a recurrence? Mm-hmm. I would say, and I always say to people, I do not know. Yeah. Because I think there is no formula for Mm -hmm. all people. I think there are very individual journeys with very unique sets of things to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And I made the best decisions I could in the moment. But what I can tell you is 
I was loved and mm-hmm. I loved, I loved people. Oh, I'm going to cry. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful. Mm-hmm. I was so grateful to be able to live, which is mm-hmm. why for me wrapping my life around grateful living, which is mm-hmm. what I do now and teaching right. that and helping inspire people around it mm-hmm. is everything because I figured uh, I have no idea how long I'm going to have. So how do I want to live? Mm-hmm. I was grateful for everything. Love it. It was extraordinary. I love, I love the, that when I asked you, which, you know, I didn't know what your answer would be um, about why do you think you survived or, you know, didn't have a reoccurrence that you kind of say, you don't know, because there are, and I think actually, I don't know if it was the last podcast, but one of the last ones recently we were talking about, um, and I don't want to badmouth the book, but there is a book out there or several books that sort of say, you know, visualize what you want and it will happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm all for positive visualization and I've read all the books and I do it myself and I've done it in my life, but it's kind of like, if you visualize that I want, um, a partner, for example, mm-hmm. but you don't go out and meet people and you don't put yourself out there to some degree, or at least tell people like, Oh, I want to meet someone. Or like in my case, it was writing a book. If I don't mm-hmm. sit down, I could say, Oh, I want to write a book and be on Oprah. Mm-hmm. But if I don't sit down and write the book, that is not going to happen. So you have to, to exactly me, you have to right. work in, in, you know, kind of conjointly with the universe and whatever your desires are. And sometimes we don't know. So like one of my funnier stories is, is I had bought a condo in, in the city of Chicago for investment. And when he was done with his internship, I wanted to sell it. And it was right before the market crashed, whenever that was 15 years ago. And I was very nervous. So I did put a, I, I went there and I took pictures of it and I made a vision board of the price that I wanted. Anyways, long story short, it sold for exactly what I put down is the amount that I could live with in the exact time frame that, so do I think that it happened just because of that? Or was it because I had a really good real estate agent <laughs> or was it, and it was there a combination? Okay. And was I also so lucky? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So oh, I, think, totally. I, I think I don't know. I don't know. And I think sometimes living with uncertainty, we don't know. But when something good happens, I remember at that time going, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I so appreciate that. And sending the new owners lots of love that they should be happy in this new little condo Um, Mm. and how grateful I was that I sold it when I did and did not lose any money. But whatever. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know if it was I, just because I did the vision board probably was. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Yes. And it doesn't hurt. And I think I don't know is the most honest answer to almost True. every question. And I, I think, agree. you know, it's one of the things we're least comfortable with. I yep. think we want to believe in formulas. We want yep. to believe in magic mm-hmm. and we want to believe in, right. you know, these, this kind of, um, whatever they call it, the kind of when you manifest that's Yes, exactly. Yes, I know exactly yes. what you're the talking. law of attraction. The law so, of attraction. And I, and I, I am, I really believe that life has a life is bigger than that. The universe okay. is bigger than that, that yeah. our spiritual lives are bigger than that. And yeah. that what's in store for us, we have no idea. And how we're meant to fulfill our purpose. We have no idea. Right. And I'll tell, I'll tell you something that was, that's a very profound uh, part of my story, which is, so I was in the hospital, 32 years old. I was super sick. I wasn't getting better. My fevers were not going away. It was it's horrible, very tough. Um, and I remember it was the first time that I remember praying. 
mm-hmm. my whole life mm-hmm. at 32 years old. Yep. And my prayer was this, it was kind of like, all right, universe, you know, late at night when you're lying there and there's nothing but you. And it's like, oh my God, you know, it's like, I remember saying, if I'm meant to die at a young age, mm-hmm. may my life has, have been as purposeful. I mean, my death have been as purposeful as a long life. Mm-hmm. If I'm meant to die Beautiful. at this young age, may my death be as purposeful as a long life would have mm-hmm. been. And if I live a long time, may my life be as purposeful as a death at this time would have been. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what the but, path is that's mine to take. Right. But I love that. So here's how I feel also about prayer doesn't hurt. And right. if there is, so, you know, if there is something bigger out there, which I actually believe that there is, um, mm-hmm. again, why not ask for that guidance or that help? And it's amazing to me how many doors open we have to be willing to walk through. So what I think is amazing about your story of survival is I do th- that one, that your attitude was so incredible. And then you went ahead with no guarantee that you were going to survive, but made a commitment like, I'm going to lead a life of purpose and of meaning. I'm going to be my most authentic self that I can be. I'm going to, that's going to make me Christy feel good, but it's also going to do something for the world. And Mm -hmm. to me, when we do that, when we're honoring who we are and also have a commitment to be helpful to the world and to the universe, it's almost impossible that something good's not going to come from that. Not I guarantee, but I agree completely. And I think that here's the thing that is the distinction, I would say, uh, in what we're talking about here. The law of attraction says you do this in order for an outcome, a particular Mm -hmm. outcome. Yep. I say you do this for this. Yes, exactly. And then if you do it unconditionally, right? If you say, I'm going to live gratefully because it's the most beautiful and most real and honest way to live because we have no idea about what's, but if you say, I'm going to live gratefully in order that I'm going to make a million dollars, I'm going to get the partner of my dreams. Right. That's not living grateful anymore because it's all set up with conditions and outcome oriented. It's Uh, you've lost the moment. Totally. Totally agree. You know, it's like, even when, you know, for this podcast, when I decided to start it a year ago, it was strictly only one purpose is to try to maybe help other people to find their their authentic self and live their life. You know, uh, because here's, here's how I feel because of the pandemic and what's happened over the last two years. And and then now there's even more stuff going on. Of course, that makes my head spin, um, in the, in whatever I I try to not make this (laughs) a political show, but Ukraine's driving me, what's going on over there is driving me crazy. I'm trying not to even look at it, but you know, I, I I did donate because I can't stand it, but anyways, um, but the purpose of even doing the podcast to me was not, it was strictly to help others. And I think when, when that's your purpose and it gives me a self gratification too, of course, but when you do that, then I meet wonderful and interesting people like yourself and Mm -hmm. your phenomenal stories. And hopefully your story is going to touch someone else who's, you know, I feel people that would be listening to this kind of podcast are probably on the fringe. Like I want to change something in my life. I'm not sure how should I, what if I do this? And like, you're just saying, I might not make as much money. And my message has been with everybody is if you feel it on the inside and that's what your heart is saying, I'm guessing you would agree with this. Then, mm-hmm. then you do it and trust that the best of your ability that 
you don't do it because you're going to make more money, but generally the outcome is, is that you'll be fine. You know, yeah. and even if you're making, if it ends up, you make less money, but you can still pay your bills. You know, I know plenty of people who are very wealthy and they're miserable and angry and ugh. And so, so not that I'm not, I believe in abundance and I think people should have money and I pay their bills, et cetera. But if that's your only focus, you will probably feel empty inside to some degree. And that can't yeah. be the only, the only thing. Absolutely. And, and I think that one of the things that's a, an illusion that I think is really good to let go of is that we get rewarded or we get punished mm -hmm. for certain things. And yep. I think that, I think that it's not about the universe. It's about what emanates from the inside of you when you follow yep. your heart and yep. what happens for you. And there's no guarantee in life. There is no guarantee. I'm not guaranteed. I'm nope. going to wake up tomorrow. Nobody. Is. So it's like, nobody is if, to me living with uncertainty and learning to befriend that yep. experience exactly. is the greatest source of peace that we can possibly have. Right. Well, that's Pema Chodron, who's a Buddhist monk that she wrote yep. a book living with uncertainty that's on my bedside at all times. Yep. And every now and then if I'm going like, well, I just don't know. And I, and I feel it all anxious. I go, Hey, you don't have to know. And let's just be in the here and now and be present and of course, grateful. So let's, let's hear a little bit about what you're, how, what you've been doing over these last eight years about your grateful, mm -hmm. um, whatever mission. I don't, I don't exactly know what. Yeah. Tell us about grateful, it. grateful mission. That sounds good. Okay. Um, I, I never wanted to be a missionary, but that's interesting because okay. mission, very mission driven. Okay. Um, but I would say, um, it's such a privilege to get to come from this place of having had what I would call and what I do call a wake up call, mm -hmm. a wake up call, which is a devastating offense, yes. loss of something yep. or near loss of something yep. that mm -hmm. wakes us up to what's most important to mm -hmm. us. And those are doors that we walk through that are profound opportunities in life. I love what you're saying. Go ahead. <laughs> I got totally and, agree. Um, so, uh, you know, for me, these wake up calls, they either serve or they do us in. And so it's like, I think you, you can sit and you can be in regret and begrudge your losses and all these things, or you can say what's meant to come out of this. And so exactly. that, that is so powerful. And um, so I've been running this organization and I wrote a book called wake up grateful. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. It's a wait, oh, it's in, in the title. In the title that we're talking about right now, it's called Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Uh, love it. I'll be buying this book. This I'll tell you. Okay. We're done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, you know, this is the idea is that can we wake up grateful? Mm -hmm. Can we wake up grateful? Which is really the question is when nothing has yet happened, mm -hmm. can you wake up grateful? Are you only going to be grateful in response to getting something mm -hmm. that's exactly what you wanted, which is how we're taught to experience gratitude. And, and, or when something doesn't go your way, can you still be grateful? Yes. Or are you going to hold on to anger and resentment and re like you're saying, regret, revenge? Because how many I don't know how many people, you know, but it's amazing to me how people can get so mad and so upset and so angry over if we should ever go to a restaurant again. No, um, you know, like the waiter didn't bring the right food or their order. I mean, like the most trivial, ridiculous things in the scope of life are so 
unimportant yeah. or or anything like I've been, you know, if you fly, you know, if you travel when yeah. you traveled more, whenever that, you know, whatever, and your flight got canceled, which has happened to us many, not many sure. times, but several times. It's what do you do with that? Yeah. Do, you, do you just go crazy or do you say, all right, well, I guess I'm going to stay here overnight and I'm going to find another flight and it will get settled. I, th- I totally agree. And I think it's not about blitzing over the disappointment or denying no. the disappointment no, no. or whatever. It's about not. how do you add to that frame? Exactly. So the frame is, this is a bummer. Yeah, of course. And, and how am I privileged right now? Am I right. privileged that I even had the opportunity to consider taking a flight somewhere? Exactly. Um, how am I fortunate? What's working in my life right now that I can focus on that helps to hold this disappointment? Exactly. Because certainly, as I said, as a therapist, every feeling we have must be attended to in a loving, compassionate way. So, of course, I'm not saying that, oh, I'm so grateful. Oh, no, so, no, no. I'm so spiritual that I'm never angry or upset. Of course I am. We all are. And anyone says that they're not. I think, well, unless your mother Teresa, may she rest, you know, right, we all right. we all I mean, I suppose there are those higher. I don't know what you want to call older souls that are just so at peace that they never have a moment of it. I don't think so, though. I think even Mother Teresa, if she, if she were still alive, would say there are there are moments of it's what you do with it simultaneously. Exactly. I always say we can chew gum and walk at the same time so we can feel anger and disappointment and whatever. And then yeah. also say, OK, but what what how can I be in a place of, of like you're saying gratitude? So yeah. how did this all start with that? You that you wrote the book and you have this foundation and. Oh, well, Brother David Steindelrast started the organization. Okay. He is a Benedictine monk who okay. is just an extraordinary leader and he's an interfaith spiritual person. He's now 95 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's incredible. He was friends with Thich Nhat Hanh, friends with the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu. You know, he's one of these people people. who's a, who's a real spiritual luminary in the world and a scholar. And he Mm -hmm. wrote a book called the um, prayer, the heart of gratefulness, Mm -hmm. um, gratefulness, the heart of prayer. So, um, and he, so he started this organization a long time ago and then, um, I was hired eight years ago to be the executive director. So mm-hmm. it's based in his very deep scholarship and study and spiritual mm-hmm. perspective. And it's well-founded and grounded this whole idea of gratefulness. And he believes it's at the, it's at the center of all religious and spiritual life. Mm-hmm. That gratefulness truly is the deep part of the well where all religions and spiritual life meet. Mm-hmm. And I think there's real truth to that. Mm-hmm. I think that when we really seek that kind of deep peace, when we're seeking to, um, you know, when we pray, whatever, I think it is about, we're, we're, we're seeking gratefulness. Mm-hmm. We're seeking to, how do I find this wellspring inside of me that can mm-hmm. rise to the occasion of my life? So I was hired and I've just been ecstatic ever since. Uh-huh. And um, I decided to write the book because I felt like it was really important to give people practices. So the the Mm -hmm. book is super practical. Um, It tells my story and it talks about gratefulness in a philosophical way, but it also gives, you know, about a hundred and about hundreds of practices. Can you you share with the uh, listeners like one that they could do like right now or tomorrow? mm -hmm. Yeah, you betcha. Um, And it's also got a lot of affirmations, meditations, things like that. So those are the things we need those in order. Part of what I say that, and then I'll tell you the practice is, it, this is so important to live gratefully. It's not automatic. It's not easy. It's something we have to work at. It's a practice like a mm-hmm. muscle. Mm-hmm. And if you want to bring a certain perspective to life, you have to work it. 
like you work anything that you want to be strong. It is not just given to you and it's Mm -hmm. not relentless and you don't have it every single second, but how do you return? I talk about breadcrumbs. You have to have the breadcrumbs that help you get back to know Mm -hmm. what matters most to you. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, um, a great little practice that's right in the front and some people know it by different names, but this is one of the things that we do a lot is it's called from obligation to opportunity. Um, And um, so what I'll say is when you, sit there. And if you make a list of five things that you have to do today, what are the five things you have to do? I have to call this person. Like when I'm done with this, I have to call this person. I have to write this email. I have to go to this place. I have to go take care of somebody. I have to make dinner for my family, blah, blah. So all the things you have to do. And then you just substitute. I get to, Ah. I get to run this errand. Mm -hmm. I get to take care of this person. Mm -hmm. I get to make dinner for my family. I Mm -hmm. get to write the email. And it's a total frame, which is Wow. And I like to add on to that because not everybody can. Mm-hmm. I get to write this email. Not everybody. Because not everybody can. I get yeah. to. I see it as a privilege. I see it as an opportunity. You know, I get to go to the store and go shopping because one, I've got enough money. Two, I have a car. Yeah. I can buy myself good food. Mm-hmm. I'm the, what are the blessings inside the obligations of our lives? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the place to locate grateful living mm-hmm. is right in the midst of what's often thorny for us or challenging is to recognize that it always could be otherwise Mm -hmm. and not to compare up, but to recognize it's not always like, Oh, well, somebody else has it better. Somebody else has it easier. That's like, right. The thief of joy, as they say, the thief of joy, for sure. Yeah. But how does stuff? Yep. Yeah. And, but I think also to say, wow, 40 years ago, my parents couldn't do this. Mm -mm. Like you're saying, you Google, you would have Googled stuff. There yeah. was no Google no. when I had cancer. There was nothing. You so had, it's like, we were know. just, we were, I was just on, uh, away with my granddaughters and we were talking about um, the world book and the encyclopedia. And, you know, they, they're busy on their iPads and they're, you know, scrolling away. And, you know, we said, you know, we had to look things up in a book and, and yeah. read up on it. And they went, Really? You, you just like you one know, huge heavy book per letter of the we, alphabet. We like that it was like this. I remember in growing, well, I had one in my own family for my children, but I remember sure. even for myself in my childhood. And it was, it took like a whole bookcase almost. Exactly. Um, and, exactly. and you, you had to go find your letter. And sometimes things like if you wanted to look up Mars, for example, that's what we were talking about. It might be under planets. So even if you looked up M and there'd be, well, where's Mars there? You know, so it was very, how it was organized was not always easy peasy either. So, um, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. And I think just if we can locate those gifts of Mm -hmm. gratefulness really in the things that are the customary, the things we have every day, our breath, the ways our bodies work, having running water, having Mm -hmm. the privilege of electricity, having the privilege of peace right now. You know, we, we get this by contrast. It could be otherwise. There are people who are not living in a place where there aren't bombs dropping. Right. So it's like, how do we situate ourselves truthful right this moment? That's for sure. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I think that there's, it takes work and it's worth every single iota of practice mm-hmm. that it takes. So it, just in closing, this your story is amazing. And of course I love it and totally agree. So Thank you. you, in terms of, you would say that living great, as far as finding purpose, whatever living grateful, it's, you wouldn't live gratefully and say, Oh, this is gonna, I'm going to, then I'm going to for sure know my purpose. You would live gratefully and then wait to see what would happen. I absolutely believe if you live gratefully every single day, Mm -hmm. 
Brother David says, it's not happiness that makes us grateful. It's gratefulness that makes us happy. Oh, I, I, I have a quote, but I feel like I should leave with that. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> it's that a is, pretty powerful one. It's, yes. Let's say which that is. is and I will also say it's not, you know, it's not, it's not your purpose that makes you grateful. It's being grateful that makes your purpose. So it's kind of like, it's the, the quote is it's not happiness that makes us grateful. Mm -hmm. It's gratefulness that makes us happy. And so if you're not grateful for what you have already, mm -hmm. why do you think that something else is going to open the door to being grateful or to being happy? So, so I, 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 I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far we're in a lot of agreement. That's say, a very good thing. No, talking to you has been fantastic. You have so much Thank to say that I absolutely, um, I, I agree. All right. I so hope I people know. will come to our website, to our, our organization. It's all yeah, free. Why don't you share what it is? Yeah. It's a nonprofit organization. It's called a network for grateful living. Our, our website is gratefulness.org. It's, or you can go to grateful.org. You'll find us just go to gratefulness.org. And we have, um, thousands of tools and practices and resources and inspiration and poetry all focused on helping to support people to live a grateful life. Wonderful. Wait, I have so many Thank things you. here. Okay. I'm trying to pick my quote here mm -hmm. that I, um, okay. I think I'm going to go with this one. All right. So it's about gratitude. Um, and it's by Melody Beattie who, you know, mm. she did a lot of, does a lot of work with uh, codependency and, yes. you know, 12 steps and whatnot, but it says gratitude turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion into clarity. It makes sense of our past, brings peace for today and creates a vision for tomorrow by melody Beatty, i loved i loved Beautiful. that yeah Beautiful. so um thank you so much this was so delightful and so inspirational i have goosebumps almost the whole time that we've been talking um i'm gonna <laughs> that's buy always your, a good sign <laughs> yes exactly i'm gonna buy your book as soon as what give me the name of the book again wake up grateful wake up grateful okay well i would just look your name up and go but thank you just thank a pleasure you. pleasure pleasure janice thank you. you for what you do too oh, i really appreciate your oh, work in the world oh. That makes me feel so good. So thank you. Okay. So um, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to On Purpose. Hopefully you're living your life with purpose and on purpose and with gratefulness. Um, until next time, I'm Janice Alpert. Take good care.